an old ruin. Please don't refer to me like that. <laughs> this week on Walking the Dog, I went for a walk with a man whose wit is as sharp as his very dapper suits, the fabulous comedian Tom Allen. Along with Tom's hugely successful stand-up career, he's become a hilarious fixture on TV in the last few years. You may have seen him on 8 out of 10 Cats and Lock the Week, and he's also the king of the spin-offs, hosting Bake Off, The Professionals, and The Apprentice, You're Fired. Tom loves dogs. He doesn't have a dog himself, so I took him for a stroll with Ray and introduced him to one of my favourite green spaces in the City of London, Postman's Park which features this really beautiful Victorian set of memorials to everyday heroes. Tom and I chatted about his childhood in South East London and how he always felt slightly different to everyone else, his strong work ethic and the awkwardness of being set up on dates with friends. It was such a lovely morning, so much so that I think I may have asked Tom to marry me at one point. I mean, I realise I don't tick the right box on the gender front, but imagine that wedding... Ray in a little bespoke doggy tuxedo. Oh God, I'm getting so excited. I'm forgetting about the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Here's Tom. I'm going to follow you because you look... You oh, look I look so like the sort of person who knows where they're going. You look so smart today, Tom. I didn't know what to, um, what to wear. I've got some meetings after this. Um, How would you describe your outfit today? I would describe it as, um, well, I like to think um, Prince of Wales chic circa 1936. Oh. Um, so that Prince of Wales, yeah. I'm going to go more specific than that. Yeah? What are, you, what are your thoughts? I'm going to say uh, human rights lawyer. Oh, who okay. You secretly want to have an affair with. Thank you, Rob. Okay, fine, fine. <laughs> I don't think I've ever met a human rights lawyer. They're always so busy, aren't they? They're the dream, aren't they? They are the dream, but do they make any money? Don't you want well, like a... Are they you know, funny as well? And are they funny? They're going to be have serious and all these <laughs> sad stories and no bloody dough. <laughs> Should we go out for dinner? Oh, no, we can't. Because you do everything for free, don't you? <laughs> it's not very, it's not very nice, We're is not it? very PC. Not so, funny. I've met... You, well, I'm going to describe a bit your outfit. I'm with hmm. Tom Allen, I should say. Yes. Who's... An absolutely brilliant stand-up, presenter, actor. Well, I've done a bit. Um, and an actor. <laughs> and he's wearing a lovely, it's Prince of Wales check, is that right? I think technically it is, yeah, a Prince of Wales check. And I'm still, it's a new suit actually. Yes. So I'm wearing it. Somebody once gave me the advice, which is I'd never save anything for best. And so I only got this, I saw it. Do you know what? I was, I was doing the, the T's and C's on Strictly, on the, on the Strictly final. And the and T's and C's is when you read out, so they get a guest, yeah. don't they, to they read it out. They get a guest out. to do it. It had been, the week before was Basil Brush, and, and the week before that was Angela Rippon. Okay. Um, so, I was doing it, sat there with mum and dad behind Joe Sugg. He had this lovely suit on. I said, where did you get it? He told me. I won't tell your listeners. <laughs> um, and, no, <laughs> he said, Ralph Lauren. And I went there and I bought it because I just wanted to be just like him. Yeah. And it was in the sale. So I got, and so I got lovely. another one. Um, nice shoes. Um, so I've let I like wearing it, so Ray off the lead. I don't know if he's allowed. I better put him on. But we're in a place called Postman's Park, which 
is in where well, it's sort of um, Old Street, Central London, isn't it? The city. Yes, is it? I would. Say, yeah, it's London Wall. Barbican. You're yeah, very good. Barbican. Yeah, it's a beautiful park. I would never have even. It's tiny, that. but I yes, think we're both like quite it. bijou, and my dog's bijou. The, the dog looks huge in this park. Yeah. <laughs> looks like a great dame. Oh dear. Oh, already, he's making his mark. He's done a wee. But Postman's Park is beautiful, because come and look at this, Tom. I'm very impressed you know all these things. What's this? This is a memorial to, to heroic self-sacrifice. And a Victorian artist called George Frederick Watts made all these, oh. and it's the reasons. It's what, the, so it's things like people who gave their lives trying to save other people. It's everyday heroes, essentially. Oh, wow. It's the pride of Britain, Victorian style. Yes, it is. And isn't it lovely? So you can read what they all did. Someone from the Fire Brigade saved six persons from fire in Gray's Inn Road. But they're lovely, and they say his last heroic act, and then they ruin it slightly with the Victorian melodrama by saying he was scorched to death. Oh, yes, there was a bit of that. (laughs) But I find this a good place to come and have a little... I don't know, it's quite peaceful here. I like it. I like it too. I've never seen this. They're beautiful, for your listeners, they're beautiful ceramic... Well, the tiles, they're very sort they? of William Morris, aren't they? Very William period, Morris. They have yeah. beautiful, yeah, like um, floral adornments on either side. So he's got a lovely coat, doesn't he, Ray? Because I love dogs. So. Yeah, but I was um, just wonder he's around. immaculately groomed with that, um, with having that coat straight to the floor. It's like he's wearing a lovely, like um, a sort of Tudor dress. <laughs> <laughs> like he's Do got you? a bustle on. That's what it looks like. He's got <laughs> like a, maybe it's more of a Victorian look. He's got a Kardashian bum. Yeah, he has. Tell yeah. me, what's your relationship with dogs, Tom? Um, I love them, and I always think I have a special bond with them, for no real reason. Yes. But, um, I do love them, and um, I grew up with two Yorkshire Terriers and my parents, but um, they, we, we love them very much, the girls, Zoe and Abby. Um, they had human names at a time when dogs didn't really have human names, and, um, and we love them to bits. My mum was, like, was always quite reluctant about them, um, and then when they sadly passed over, when they went for the big walk, um, mum was the more the most devastated of all, all of us. Um, and now mum and dad sometimes look after a dog, and um, and that dog gets a very easy ride. <gasps> and she, yeah, compared to our two, she gets to s- not just sit on the bed, but like lie on the bed, like she's <laughs> a human being who gets into bed. And what's that dog called? And what kind she's of? She's called Bo, and she's a lovely um, combination of a chihuahua and a bichon free which I always think sounds like a lettuce he just did a circle and you know what that means oh it's time (laughs) it's time by somebody's casket oh dear that that lady looked over she looked quite sort of no nonsense didn't she and she looked over as if to she probably lives in the Barbican yes I think she does she looked at me Tom as if to say I hope hope you're going to pick that up yes and it's all very well chatting to your handsome human rights lawyer partner. Yeah. What about the dog's poo? What about the... <laughs> now we need to find a bin. Come on. There's a little... What's this? This is the museum thing to do with Oh, the, is it a museum in here? Oh, lunchtime it? talks from the Bible. 110. You in? 110 to 140. That's not very long, is it? It's half an hour. I mean, that's a lot. What are going to get through in that? Barely covered... Barely covered Noah in that, will you? <laughs> <laughs> Although it's well, I mean, we need seven. He create, how long does it take him to create the world? Seven days? Seven days, not half an hour. <laughs> 
So tell me, yes, yes. we're going to go back to your childhood. We can oh, wander good. out of this park if we feel too close. No, enclosed I'm enjoying. In it. I'm enjoying just zigzagging we can around. Through there. It's got um, a lovely fl- flower bed in the middle, which I imagine in spring is very vibrant there in is. a way that you sort of see in seaside towns like places like um, East, Eastbourne, yes. um, like lots of marigolds, which I've never really liked, but I think I might start liking. I quite like marigolds. Yeah, I think I, I like a pansy of... as well. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> welcome to the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, t- so easy. tell me about Too your easy. childhood, Tom. What do you want to know? Well, I, you've told me about the um, dogs, Abby oh, and Zoe. Do you know the thing about dogs is they become these. Um, I remember I was always quite nervous of the world. I still am. I obviously am quite nervous of the world. And um, I think dogs become these receptacles for all our, you know, kind of fear and protection instincts, and but all, a vessel for all this kind of love that we have the whole family projects all their love on the dog and I think um, yes I sort of I remember our two Yorkshire Terriers um, I always always felt very protective of um, and I was always quite an unusual child um, particularly at secondary school as you can imagine why? in every way but sort of not like every way that was kind of um, that, that I think people were like you could just you could just not be weird but I'd, I'd just be interested in people who no one was interested in. I really loved Noel Coward. I loved Elton John in a way that, like now Elton John's quite cool and has been for some time. But when I was about 10, I just got obsessed with him. And, and this would have been presumably about? It's about 1994. I just loved all his old albums and I loved all the kind of, I suppose it was the big costumes and the big outfits and everything. And then, um, and, and so I'd come in and listen to my Elton John records um, and dance around with the dogs. And did you did you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I have a younger brother, but he's very normal. What's his name? James. James. I think he said yeah. Jones. I thought, oh, Jones. he's like a chauffeur. He was yeah. your chauffeur. <laughs> oh, no, there's um, the police. Oh, there's the police. Tom, Quick. he's not on a lead. What if they arrest? Are they, is that police? Their uniforms. It might be City of London Can police. Ask them? I'm still about I'll their uniforms. So I'm interested. Hello. Hi. Hello, we're just doing a podcast for the Times. This is my friend Tom Hello. Allen, he's a comic. That's Hi. my dog Raymond. Yes. We're interested in, well, Tom, you ask, you're good with authority. Yeah, you're City of London Police, aren't you? Yes. yes. You've got are. a different, a different yes. outfit. Different. Oh, it's very yeah. nice to meet you. Stop it's really added to our walk. <laughs> All right, bye, police. Cheers. Cheers, bye. Bye. What Love lovely, you. What mean lovely it. police officers. Aren't they charming? The one from Essex had lovely teeth. He was handsome. I thought he was. Are you dating at the moment? No, no, too scared. Too Should I go scared? After him? No, but then that's the thing with um, gays, although I say that, but nobody else seems to have this problem. It's working out who is one. You know, so you can't just go like, so for straight, if I, was, if I was a straight woman and I saw a bloke, I wouldn't go, I wouldn't be like, oh, I want, well, no, actually I know some, this is sometimes the problem for some women that I know who keep fancying gay men but <laughs> I find that if I was to start flirting with people, they'd be like yeah well me and my wife and it would just be awful or we'd be like you know like what would I do ask him out for a date you'd be like what it would be, be, ter- be terribly embarrassing but I think you can't just go up to someone and be like nice to talk to you are you gay <laughs> no okay bye or nice to talk to you okay you are great well now I've asked you such an awkward question so tell me, so your childhood, we were talking about, so it oh, was yes. in, was it, it's, I know it's near where, well, Beckett's um, It from. is, it's in the borough of Bromley, London's leafiest borough. Yeah. And um, I grew up there, and it's also where David Bowie grew up. Brixton always claims him, he didn't spend very long there. 
Bromley was what made him. Um, Bromley is the epitome of um, polite uh, suburb, suburbia, you know, like very polite, essentially boring. Yeah. But in a way that actually as you get older you go, actually it's quite a nice form of boring, isn't it? And, um, and so I think that fueled a lot of my sense of like, oh, I love Elton John. <laughs> I like these extravagant people. Um, just because it's like, oh, you don't have to be, you don't have to be kind of constrained and worried about how, what people think of you and worried about not sticking out and worried about, you know, you can st- take a step out and be outrageous if you want and flamboyant. And your mum and dad, names please? Paul and Irene. I, I love an Irene. Mum doesn't like her name. She doesn't like it. Does she have a nickname? No. Irie, no. No, she doesn't like any shortening of her name either. Uh-huh. She doesn't like it, but also she doesn't like shortening it. I feel she knows what she wants, Mrs. Allen. Um, she does, in a way, yes, she does. Um, I gave her some vouchers for John Lewis to go and buy a new sofa because um, they were moaning about the sofa. They got a new sofa. I said, this is lovely. Where is it from? They said, Laura Ashley. <laughs> so, um, you know, the vouchers are still sat there. <laughs> it's those little hacks of microaggressions that mm. I like in family mm. life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, and your dad, um, was he a coach driver? He, he was a coach driver. He retired about a year ago. And the thing, and he worked in the office before he retired. And he's he worked until so he was about seventy eight when he retired. He no seventy seven when he retired. Um, he loves being busy, and at the moment he needs to find something new to do. He needs to get stuff. I don't know. I was thinking of employing him as maybe some sort of personal assistant, but I don't know if that's driver. As a driver, he loves it. I think that'd be great. But I can't sit in the back when it's my dad, can I? <laughs> this is my car, by the way. This is my dad. <laughs> Um, and, and your mum was, um, did she work in retail? Why do I think She that? did, yes. good knowledge. She worked in the Army and Navy in Bromley, now a TK Maxx. Much to the chagrin of everybody in the Bromley area, there's no longer an Army and Navy, no longer a House of Fraser, only a TK Maxx, which as everybody knows, is a, a bum fight or a bum fight? I never know quite what the expression is. Um, well, I went in there once and I saw, I, I remember a friend of mine had made this observation and I've seen it. He said, I decided never to go in there when I saw someone sweeping up clothes and I yes. thought, I don't want to buy things. It's like a jumble there. sale. <laughs> I wouldn't go to a church jumble sale and go, oh, yeah, well, this is, oh, yeah, that handbag, I'll just buy it. And also, I wouldn't go, oh, I don't know what I want today. I just want something. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'd go, oh, I need to buy a shirt. Okay, where do I like, where do I like the shirts when I go there to buy a yeah. shirt? I'm trying to get a sense of your background because I know you've talked about this a lot in your stand-up and it's very funny this thing you talk about that you sort of came out different and your voice is even different to your parents yes and I went so when I went to school people like why are you talking like that why are you talking like that though and I'm like I don't I don't really know what do you mind I talk like that no why do you talk like that then it's like all the time having to explain it and and I don't know and the only reason I've got is to go well I'm gay and, and then people go like, why does he talk about being gay? It's like, I don't, you just asked me for a reason. So did you feel when you were growing up with your parents, I get the sense, you know, this sort of Noel Coward stuff and the Elton John, what was their view of that? What, do you think there was disapproval? Or it feels like your parents are quite sort of, um, they'd be the kind of people that would be quite accepting and tolerant they of were, but, otherness. Um, Not that that's other, I, I no, think no, that's it normal, is, No, 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 and I felt, ra- very, I felt yeah. very other about it all. Um, they were a bit like, ah, what are you going to put a picture of Elton John up in your room for? Oh, you're going to put a picture of him up? Oh, no. 
Oh, what do you want to... Oh, God. We have, I cut pictures of like Elton John out of um, Sunday supplements and things. And Because um, you couldn't buy... Because at that point, it was like when Athena was open. Do you remember that? I, like, I had this idea of you going for the Telegraph all the times, though. Yes, we sometimes got Not that. Not smash hits. Never smash hits. <laughs> and we did sometimes get the Telegraph when Dennis from next door um, didn't want it anymore. And we'd oh, get Dennis. that. Or if Dennis was away, we'd get... And it was too much bother. Was Dennis the neighbour everyone aspired to? Was he a bit keeping up with the Joneses, Dennis? Dennis from Dennis and Jean is... Um, is uh, In a way, yes, he is very not very learned, very knowledgeable man. Um, always challenge, always encourage discussion and debate in a very intelligent way. Um, whenever we went round, which I enjoyed. But, um, yes, sort of the otherness of it oh, was very difficult. Because, yeah, at that time, everybody was by, like... What are these called, like, create... Spliff posters. Do you remember? When, like, it would be like, like the Mona Lisa smoking a spliff. But it was also like that kind of like lad cult, lad culture, really, which was always so kind of. But again, lad culture was by its nature very just so muted, you know, mm-hmm. so kind of like don't stick out. You wear an Adidas tracksuit, and the most extravagant thing you can have is like some sort of kooky sunglasses um, and, <laughs> and a then, kangol hat and a kangol hat yeah exactly <laughs> and maybe the Levi's advert might be quite um, yeah. revealing to you did you always have because you're very snappy dresser and I get the sense it's kind of quite tied up with your not your identity but I suppose it is it's your self-expression and did you was that something you always had strong ideas about when you were growing yes, up yes very strong and I was always obsessed with um, Victorian clothing and um, and was desperate to kind of so I'd go around and again this was before it was ever fashionable or there was ever like steampunk or like vintage or, or anything so I'd go around there occasionally there was a shop there was a shop in Victoria called Cornucopia and yes. there was a shop in um, Angel called something like the Moon's a Balloon yes. and then I'd go around and I'd love to go around there and I'd go on Saturdays when I was allowed out of my own I'd go to like Notting Hill Mark uh, Labrick Grove Market and um What's the other one? Sometimes uh, Spitalfields. And how and old were you then? Sort of a young teenager. Yeah, 14, 15. And I'd go around and I'd go and buy sort of like remnants of like shirts from the First World War and things that still had like demob numbers in them. And my mum would be like, oh, don't buy any of that <laughs> shit from up there, will you? Come back full of fleas and that. Oh, I'll put it. Oh, I'll, I'll, don't bring it in the house. Don't bring <laughs> it in the house. You sound like League of Gentlemen. They were a bit like that. Oh, it's disgusting. And I'd go, and it was quite good because I'd go, up there, and I'd go, he'd want like a tenner for the shirt, and I'd go, Will you take eight quid? I was quite good at haggling with them yeah. for a 14 year old. And I'd hide my money in my sock because I was so terrified of being mugged. Did you? I don't know why I thought I'd be mugged. I mean, I blended in so well. <laughs> <laughs> what a lot of people would do is want the Victorian shirt, but feel I better buy the Kangol hat well, or the Kappa football jacket because I want to look like everyone else. And the idea as a child, especially a young man, you know, standing out is. A nightmare. Well, I had this thing where I was like, part of me was like, yeah, I could just kind of go, I don't want to stand out and I'll just buy the Kangol caps and all that. Kappa, Kappa tracksuits. Poppers on the side. Why did you need to expose the side of your legs? Um, but I just felt very um, violently, in a way. Um, no, I don't want to do that, you know? And just like, I think you can either go, you come to a fork in the road and you either go, yeah, I'll just blend in which is effort in itself, or I'll go, basically, up yours to everybody. I'll, I'll be who I, who I want to be. And you go, and I think you go extremely the other way. And so you just, and actually people, people, I think people trust you more then mm. if you do that, because they go, well, he knows who he is. I don't know why he's dressed like that. But it's like, I mean, I remember like mom, growing up, my mum and dad loved Elton John, but like even people like Boy George as well, who's from South London, 
you know, a lot of the time you could go, you, you know, people would be like, ah, why is he dressed like that? Ah, what's Boy George all about? But people are like, well, it's Boy George, and it's like that. And they kind of, I think people do like a bit of um, extravagance if you give it to them. But you have to do it confidently. You can't ask their permission. You have to just... Well, I think also what you make an interesting point when you talk about that sort of just decision to just be yourself, essentially. And I know, like, therapists would always say that's, that's about having a very strong sense of self. And some people have that. Some people have to spend a lifetime trying to find it. Whatever Do they? It yeah. I think I did. I think it took me a long time. I think I probably spent, up until I was about 40, depressingly, doing what I thought I should do. And it actually took me, in my case, it took a sort of series of personal sort of tragedies, really, for me to... Because that is a wake-up call. So I think the thing is, some people like you are probably born with that, where you think, oh, well, I'm just going to do what I want. And But I do think it is is an endeavour, though. Really? I think my like way of dressing strangely or sort of choosing to do a job that's quite odd in a way um, is my way of do- doing it but in other ways like friends of mine I was just on holiday with some friends and they were like no but what do you want to do and I'm like I don't, I don't know mm. because actually so much of life is going you know from kids you're like don't behave like that you're <laughs> it's not a nice way to behave which is correct that we're taught like to behave in a certain way and in a way you go to school and you're basically told fit into this track yeah. or we will shout at you mm. and and so it's very <laughs> difficult to go i'm just gonna do whatever i want and so for me a day off is kind of quite troubling really did you, did you find have I you mean, got quite a strong work ethic i like to think so because i know if i don't much as i can moan and go oh i've got no time for myself but what i do if i have time for myself i go spiral into a depression almost immediately i need to have um direction and purpose all the yeah. time otherwise um Otherwise, you get lost in your thoughts. And I do think thinking is often uh, a saboteur. You know, the right... the Thinking or just sort of like being lost in thought is very damaging for me. Is it? Yeah, I think so. Unless you're like Jean-Paul Sartre. <laughs> like, what... <laughs> do you just want to dress like him. You don't want to think like him. I mean, I don't like want to him. think like him. <laughs> do you... Um, how are you with silence? You know what? I'm getting better at it. Because I, I can't... I sort of struggle sleeping in a way. Um, I get to sleep and then I wake up and I have anxieties, anxiety dreams mm. almost every night. Um, I wake up screaming. No, I don't wake up screaming. <laughs> but I have anxiety the dreams. Lambs, <laughs> <laughs> I still, yeah, the lambs, Clarice. I can still hear the lambs. But I tend to fall asleep listening to audiobooks or podcasts. Oh. Maybe I can recommend one. I, I mean, I don't know if anybody's doing that now. I mean, if they weren't asleep, they will be now. Um, they... <laughs> and, um, they and, but recently I've been trying not to do that and trying not to listen to music all the time. Mm. Because we have it. There's a time when you have to rush home from school, put on your record, put on your Elton John records and be excited yeah. and enjoy listening to it. Go, should I listen to it again? Or maybe I will. And you're always oh, a bit, if I listen to it again, will the other people in the house be like, <laughs> oh, not this one again. So tell me, I want to know, with your mum and dad, um, at school I'm getting this idea of you in these sort of slightly wild and wonderful clothes and well. academic or... Um, again, yes, very threw myself studious. into my, my subjects. Very studious, very work driven. Um, in a way, I suppose searching for approval. I suppose, but at the same time, going well. I'm at school, so we may as well do this well. And mm. my dad had always said to me, "Go into it with a good heart." You like I said, I don't like maths. So you've got to do it. So you can either do it hating it, mm. or you can do it and go with a good heart. And so I did it with a good heart. And actually, I was quite good at it. I had a fabulous maths teacher called Mr. Cox. 
and he was brilliant and managed to pare everything down. It was very sim- made everything very straightforward. But you know, good teachers. I had very, mm. I had some very good teachers. And did you was coming out school. something you Comprehensive did? School. Um, or did you, you know, was it like a thing you thought about and gave thought to, or no. did it just evolve? A the lot of your friends say to me it just happened gradually. For me, um, I totally knew from the age, I suppose, 11, when I was probably getting obsessed with Elton John and Noel Coward, but totally knew, kind of knew from the age of about seven or eight. Always knew I was different from the moment I was conscious. Um, but in my teen years, I put it under a rock and put a, a heavy cooking pot on top of the rock. You know, that's where people, or what do they do, like put a rock on top of a cooking pot? I don't know, I'm trying to think what that image is. Right. Trying, to put, trying to seal I'm seeing it all in a big Le Creuset. If only Le Creuset had made it to Bromley in the <laughs> 90s. I did, it was an inconvenience. I didn't like it. I didn't, um, it's very hard to articulate really. And I think it's kind of bizarre probably to a lot of people now when it's kind of something that's openly discussed and celebrated. Mm. But back then it was something that wasn't discussed there was no real access to go to say it's okay. Mm. Um, but at the same time, even if someone had done that, I would have gone, no, it's not. <laughs> and, I would, and I think as well, I wanted to go, no, this is my thing. I don't want somebody else telling me how I experience it or how I should feel about it. Yeah. I know I don't like it. Don't tell, you know, it was sort of weird like that. I, d- I yeah. just can't really explain it. Yeah. Um, and it took a long time. It took a lot of, it was only when I left school and I got involved in the National Youth Theatre and then I was surrounded with a lot of positivity around it. Um, and a lot of positivity generally and I was like oh actually maybe it is nice to sort of actually feel a bit happy with yourself rather than feel shit all the time let's oh, go found, up here this is the podium we've found we found our way in come on Ray um, we, come on oh this is nice and quiet your parents were okay with it were they yeah pretty much I mean pretty much I don't think it was a huge surprise <laughs> but then, I don't know if it was or not really um, and I think as well you know they it, it's sort of Again, I think it's quite difficult, you know, well, I say that, I think a lot of people do have experience of it. Uh, they were, I think they were aware that it can pose a, diff- a more difficult life than perhaps they would have wanted at, in points. And I think that, at first, made it difficult, but, to, to time, but then, but since then, they've, um, they've been very supportive of, and it's all been great, but I think, like now, maybe it's different. I don't know. I don't know what it's. I don't know if I always assume it's different. But then I hear from people, and they go, "Oh no, I really relate to mm. to that feeling of, <clears throat> of 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 people not understanding completely immediately." So we're all loners and weirdos, <laughs> really. I want to know when you realised you were funny first. When you first made someone laugh <clears throat> and thought, "Oh, this is good." I think I was always kind of. Um, because I always spoke differently. People were like, oh, look at him. Oh, oh he's funny. Oh, he said the funniest thing. Oh, right, maybe we should thing. go down those stairs, Tom. Look. And then we can walk through there to the Barbican. Oh, yeah. Oh, should we go that way? Can we get... I'm trying to think what's best for Ray. Oh, you're so kind. Will he be, able, will he be all right on those stairs? He'll be fine. <coughs> so we were talking about when you were funny. Well, I don't... Yeah, so oh, Sorry, that sounded rather rude. That one time you were funny. That one time you did that funny thing. So I don't... I mean... Yeah, so I, 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 again, I don't know really. It always felt quite instinctive. Oh, back on concrete. So come on, tell me about the National Youth Theatre. So you decided to so. go... <coughs> did you want to go to university? Because you obviously do you know what? Do I right thought I wanted to go to Cambridge I can see to there. do history and I could see myself there. And I was very academic and I studied very hard and I was very good at it. And then I got there to the interview. And Sarah Pascoe wrote a similar experience, so I thought it was interesting. 
getting there and being so overwhelmed by it. And also they ask you these questions. And I've not really had any preparation for what that was all about or how you should impress them. And so I just sort of thought, oh, it was just a chat, so I'll just respond as though I'm talking to one of my mum's friends. There's no pressure. And didn't realise, like, actually those questions are like, you've got to answer them in a certain way. Yeah. That, that, and also, um, they, and they, said, they gave feedback and they said, um, he was a very pleasant young man, he did have a tendency <laughs> to answer the question, to, to jump in with an answer rather than thinking about what his response was going to be. But then I look back and I think, well, that's what I was taught, you know, to be like personable and to go, if someone asks you a question, answer it. Be confident in your answers. That's, that's nice. That's what you should do. I think if you're a lot more confident, if you're sort of in, imbued with that sense of confidence, you go, well, I'll wait a moment, I'll respond when I'm ready. Do you, do you know what I mean? But also, wouldn't you say it's that very thing which has become a highly useful skill for you? You know, is, I mean, on a panel show, just, you can't sit there and say, don't speak till you're spoken I think, to. Or like, do you I know better think I mean? of a sensible thing to say before I respond. Yes. It's funny, I notice people clocking you. Do you get recognised quite a lot these days, Tom? I think more so, yeah. But I don't, I, I don't really notice it myself. But if people say hello, I'm it? always quite delighted. I don't really understand. I mean, it's sort of, it says so much about how needy I am. But I go, oh, somebody, well, they like me, great. <laughs> I, I, I just always, I think it's lovely if people come up and say hello and stuff. How um, does it affect I sometimes your... have the experience of going, they'll come up and sort of say, oh, hello, um, <laughs> I like the thing you did on blah, blah. And then I think the convention is you go, oh, thank you very much, and then you sort of walk off. But what I tend to do, because I am A, needy, and B, have a tendency to chat too much. Hello, I children! Um... <laughs> You see, that's my equivalent of fame. Well, Look at that dog. I think in a way you might have seen people clocking me, probably just looking at the dog. Um, <laughs> but I do have a tendency to just bore people, so they, I'll start talking to them, and then they go, "Oh, I've got to, I've got to go now." And I, of course, it's I'm when, sorry. You know, it's when someone says, "Oh, can I have a selfie?" and then it ends with them saying, "Anyway, you must be getting on." They literally do that. <laughs> and how it's... did you find drama school, Tom? Just to go so back, I, did... I didn't go to drama school. Oh no, it was, I was National involved in the Youth National Youth Theatre. Theatre. Yeah. Um, was that so, so you didn't, I didn't go get to into university. Cambridge? I was like, no, I don't want to go to university. Yeah. And again, I sort of had this kind of contrarian attitude um, towards everything and just sort of was like, well, I'm supposed to go to university now, but I don't want to go, so yeah. I'm not going to go. And, um, and my dad was really upset because, you know, no one in our family had gone to university. And, um, but I just sort of felt like, oh, I don't, really, I don't really want to go away from home. Isn't that What ridiculous? is that? That's interesting, that pull of home to you, that still is there, and I'm wondering what that is. It's quite sweet, yeah. actually. Well... It feels safe to you, doesn't it? I, feel, I wonder yes. if, if you're a big... I always felt that with my family. That I was... I suppose if you're a big personality, it's quite nice to have a, to have a dock. You need a, a dock, <laughs> yeah. you know, where you can come home and yes. feel... I'm going to go out and be big, and then I can come home and just sort of retreat a bit. I think, I think so. Well, I, when I lived... Oh, I, didn't, I haven't always lived at home. I moved back when I was about 30, so six years ago. And at that point, I just felt very... Like, I, I felt very frustrated about... I didn't know what I was doing in my work and in my life. I didn't know what I was doing. And when I was spending time at home, I just felt grounded, mm. you know, and supported and, and stuff in a way that I didn't feel when I was... Um, when I was on my, when I was sort of living on my own or living with friends and stuff. Basically, my thing is, I um, still live at home, and I'm so indecisive. People go, "Have you worked out where? Have you moved out yet?" And I'm like, "No," and because most of the time I don't know where I want to live, 
and then um, part of me thinks should I just buy try and buy the house next door to my mum and dad or something or you know like or buy my mum and dad's house they like that idea and then do it because that's very mid-century very 60s their house and that I think could look great but then I'm like well then I'll just be living in your house <laughs> and they're like yeah I'll be fine and then we'll so we can and I'm like yeah, but but I can't you've got buy some it. good stand-off out of living at home because you did a whole show, thing, didn't you, dedicated it? to... Uh, you did a tour. I mean, that was... <coughs> My whole life. <laughs> um, so, Lovely do you want kids, by the way? No. Um, I, I mean, I don't know, do you know, not to sound all maudlin and self-pitying, but I do uh, sound self-pitying and maudlin. <laughs> um, uh, it was never presented as an option, so I, I, it's never been part of the, the lifestyle. The, the list of life things. Maybe I've changed my mind. Well, I suppose <laughs> it is now, isn't it? But that's only quite a recent development, isn't it's it? In the last five, ten years. But then I know lots of, of uh, gay people who go, oh yeah, I want to have kids. And I'm like, well, when did you even... But then some people just do, don't they? Really... Or they have lots of kids around them growing up, which... Well, Tom, I don't think we can get into this bit. You can jump through the bamboos. We could jump through the bamboo. <laughs> Let's do it. Which, I mean, oh, Tom, I don't. It's a very strong plant. Do you think we'll make it? I think we can do it. Look, you just <coughs> do this, Tom. There we go. Oh, well done. Oh, there, you, there we go. Oh, well we're in, done. We're in the bar. Oh, we're through. We made it through. I'm not, not, I'm not wearing my best brogues. No, so I don't want fine. you to go on the green because I don't want you. Let's go on we're, the green. We're on Tom. the green, I think. Uh, <laughs> Beautiful old ruin. Please don't refer to me like that. <laughs> oh, look at that. It is amazing, isn't it? Central London. <clears throat> is it depressing though? Is it depressing the Barbican? Because that's what I think. If I move out, I want to feel like I'm in a community. I want to feel like there's lots going on. I'm convenient to places. Oh, Tom, this is so, I don't so feel wrong for your shoes. And miss my mother. Mother. <laughs> but at the same time. <laughs> You can't um, go. <laughs> it's fine. I'm wearing my. I told you I'm wearing my old wingtips. You're wearing. There's some lovely. Um, they're a brogue, aren't they? They are a wingtip brogue. <gasps> Hello. No fishing, it says here mm. as we approach the lake. You see, what I did with that man is how I approach life. That is very. I noticed it did too. Did you see that? Just uh, um, slightly <laughs> abrasively say hello to people, and they won't question it. My mm. parents always taught me that. It's a good. That is a good skill. Well, like just always, just always act as if you're yeah. entitled to be at the table. It, and it's such a good yes. And what a good lesson. Do you think so? Yeah. Do you act like that in life? Um, when I do, I, I feel very empowered. But sometimes I question it, and then it all falls down. But again, you can't question it. You just have to go. Yes, I'm here. Oh, well, now we're trapped. Tom. Now we're you actually trapped here. We've only got one way out. We're going to have to swim. swim. <laughs> Look at it, though. It is extraordinary. Do you see? So do you want to explain what it is? It's like a beautiful Sorry, lake, I forget we're on a it? podcast. Yeah. Um, we're a, we're, so we're sort of at the end of... We're in a sort of dystopian, yeah. um, sort of clockwork orange-esque um, concrete... It's brutalism, Brutal, Brutalist bridge yeah. next to a Roman wall. I imagine Roman. Is it a bit snooty and is it a bit like, you know, people... People who used to go to the RSC all the time. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Other people. People, you know, people who'd, you'd kind of... You know, you just want to have an, an ordinary conversation about bins and they want to tell you about how they went to see Nicholas Nickleby back in 1982. <laughs> Story of my life. Um, you went to the National Youth Theatre. You did I some did. acting. I did a bit. I thought, I've said it before, I thought I wanted to be an actor. Then it turned out I was just gay. 
and um, I did like it, but you know, I sort of, I sort of thought getting involved in theatre would mean I'd meet lots and lots of gay people, but actually, in truth, I didn't. <laughs> and that is down to two things: one, a misplaced assumption that theatre is full of, of of gay people, yeah. which at that point it wasn't. Um, it was more full of people who were just a lot, quite a lot of lads actually. That is also true. Also, I think there were quite a lot of gay people, but they did not want to interact with me. So, so there, there are two truths existing there. Or another staircase I could live on. It's, it is quite dystopian, isn't it? It is a little bit dystopian, but I think I, like I could maybe though. grow to like it. Yeah? Or would I get annoyed with it? You see, the thing is, I get annoyed quite easily. <laughs> Do you? you don't strike me that you do. You strike well, know, me as I a very even-tempered type. I, I bottle it all up, don't I? Do you? Yes. Oh, yes. It'll be a huge breakdown at some stage. <laughs> but that'll be the book that sustains me probably into old age, and then I'll die. <laughs> That's so, the plan, anyway. It's oh, good to have go a plan. What's so your five-year plan? <laughs> when, when was your first stand-up gig, Tom? When After I was about 21, yeah. and I was working at the National Youth Theatre's office, yeah. and um, some friends of mine, a few people I was working with, said, why don't you have a go at stand-up? One of them was Charlie Baker, um, who is it's a stand-up now, and um, he said, why don't you have a go? And I thought it was such a ridiculous thing to do. Yeah. I can't, like, again, I like sort of brazen this things like that. This is Silk Street. Exit to Silk Street. So go on, your first gig, Tom, come on. Oh, yeah, so they said, why don't you have a go at stand-up? And I like the sort of brazenness of it. I like yeah. doing something going... Well, and I was feeling very frustrated at, uh, at, being, uh, at, at trying to be an actor. Yeah. Because you're always at the beck and call of other people. And basically, basically the world of acting a lot of the time just wants posh people. Of course. Um, and posh, striking-looking men. <laughs> and, um, and then... Uh, and, and so I felt annoyed about that. And then I kind of liked the, idea, the audacity of it. And again, at that point, I, I felt like a very blokey world. There weren't really any... Yeah. There, were, there wasn't the sort of alternative scene. There stand-up wasn't like a, a forum as it's sort of become now for lots of different voices. It felt yeah. very... And, I, and as a sort of response to it not being very... seemingly very welcome, I kind of like the idea of sort of bounding into it. Anyway, I did a, a set, and it was terrifying, but I got through it, and then I was quite proud of myself. And I did another set, and, and then I, that was done. Yeah. And I thought, well, I've done that now. I don't need to worry about it anymore. And Did then, you feel scared, though? Yeah. Yeah, horribly so. Um, and then um, I thought I'd better... Oh, I did some newcomer competitions, which I then won. So you think um, you're funny, you won? Yeah. You? And uh, that was nice, but in a way it was kind of... Uh, it was kind of terrifying. It made it even more terrifying, because then people were like, oh, you're good then, are you? I suppose, because <laughs> you won a competition. You better be good. And then, of course, I'd go on and be absolutely rubbish. Because I've been doing it for five minutes. Yeah. And um, I wish someone had just said to me, like, do you know what? It takes... Do you know the person who says this? this is Frank Skinner. He says it takes ten years... You do it for ten years and then you start to get good. Really? And that was definitely... Definitely the case. At least ten years, yeah. maybe more. Um, did you have comics, like... Were you aware of... Did you watch people like Frank or other comics? Or did you sort no, of... No, because all, all that sort of stand-up was all really in live environments and I was a kid so yeah. you know you wouldn't we wouldn't go to like up the watch out we wouldn't go to like up the creek comedy club no. as a family and it's not Don't something your parents were look at all well my mum like and dad lo- my mum loves comedy what? and so I was always brought up watching comedy but not stand up per se what did she so like so we would like mum and I would always watch Victoria Wood and love Victoria Wood 
and French and Saunders, and I'd be allowed to stay up late on a Thursday night to watch um, to watch Bottom and then Abfab. But b- before that, like even as a small child, I'd be obsessed with um, Spitting Image and then the two Ronnies, and Mum would ha- tape all these things for me, and the Pink Panther films, and <laughs> and um, and One Foot in the Grave. She, t- you know, I'd be obsessed with all these these sitcoms and sketch shows, anything, Russ Abbott I loved, anything, I don't know why, I just loved comedy, yeah. but um, it wasn't in the stand-up sense, really, it wasn't in, oh, and even Victoria Wood, I suppose, even though, as Stuart Lee says, she was the, perhaps the first alternative comedian in the UK, it, it was very alternative, and so when I was then trying to do stand-up in clubs, it wasn't very forthcoming, it wasn't very welcoming to mm. the idea of someone, this, like, 22-year-old gay, posh boy who... Didn't did you make seem that, to be that part posh. of your act in terms of, did you talk well, about your sexuality? Um, no. And then somebody went, well, I think he's gay. And then I realised, and I consciously didn't mention it until sort of near the end. But then you realise, people sometimes in audiences, it seemed, needed to have, weren't comfortable until I said it. Really? Because they go, what are you? They want to go, what are you? But it's the same when I was a kid, they're like, why do you speak like that? Why do you speak like that? So then I realised you had to sort of set out a store where you go, I am this, this and this. Yeah. And then actually that made it a lot more accessible for people. Yes. To then talk about whatever I wanted to talk about. But they had to go, well, who are you? It's very, you know, and actually I I understood that quite quickly because I suppose where I was from and sort of school experience I'd had. They sort of want to say to themselves, well, he he might be one of them, but he's all right. Yes, they want you to be on their terms, I suppose. I say, who, they? Who are these they? I mean, they, I suppose, are people who would, might be wary or fearful, often through no fault of their own, just through conditioning, of people that aren't, don't belong to a similar tribe. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Um, yeah. And people are fearful and judgy. And didn't you talked when you were first, because then your career sort of, it feels like it was really quick to me. It feels like you were suddenly everywhere. I'm sure it didn't feel that way well, to you. I've been a stand-up 15 years. All over this. And it's only yet. in the last sort of um, two years, I suppose, that I've been on things. But I think people are like, oh, he's everywhere. I can't <laughs> stand him. Oh, it's too old. Oh, him again. And, um, but, uh, I mean, really, I'm just doing it to try and make up to my... <laughs> My parents go, look, see. <laughs> Do you think that is genuinely what motivates a lot of comics? Ken Dodd said, he said, I, I still feel like I'm performing to my parents across the coffee table in the, in the sitting room. And what do that, you think? And I think, yes, it probably is true, really. It's not about approval per se, but I suppose it's about validation or sort of going... Um, Ultimately, you do want to fit in, don't you? Even if you are unusual yeah, um, and different, you, you still want on some level to feel that human uh, validation, that connection that goes, yes, still all right, Anna, still all right. Some people say, actually, I'm going to quote to you, there's something that F. Scott Fitzgerald says. Oh. And he always said, the sign of good parenting <laughs> is the child has no desire to be famous. Oh, sorry, Mum and Dad. <laughs> and I'm, no, well, I, you know, anyone who performs or does anything with a profile, <laughs> but that's why I find it interesting to examine that, that I think, what does that mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I look at you and your background seems absolutely grounded and, but I suppose you did have that sense of being other, as you've said, and that's possibly what drove you. 
yes, I suppose it's that really, and I think it was beyond my mum and dad's control. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, um, and so it was sort of, uh, I'm sort of feeling different. I suppose I just sort of either had to find a way to not be different or, or to be really different and make that acceptable. And what did, because as your career answer. started, you know, you'd start, I'd start, I was really conscious of you, I'd think, oh, was a, you know, you'd mock the week and eight out of ten cats. Well, that was much you. later on. That was yeah. never at the start of my career. Yeah, that was that was, that was sort of 12, 13 years in. And once you'd done all that, did you start to feel, right, I've learned my trade and I'm confident enough that I've done enough gigs? Ostensibly, I can see that. Yeah. And I've always, I took the attitude, like, every gig I'm offered, I will say yes to. Do you? And I still sort of do that. Um, and uh, and so I go because I thought sort of think well I, I, I want to try and suppress those demonic voices in my head that go no you can't do this no this isn't for you do you no, have you're those rubbish songs? oh yeah and more I as much now as ever I can't um, ever imagine you having those well but I suppose we never can about other people can we no you seem true. very um sunshine rather than showers. Oh, good. Do you have shower, showers, though? Oh, yeah, most of the time. Um, I but, mean, I wasn't um, commenting on your personal hygiene. Well, no, sure. I mean, <laughs> do you have shower days as well as sunshine days? I mean, sure, usually on the same day, which, of course, generates a rainbow. <laughs> but uh, <what? laughs> You mean you have, you have sort of... Your emotions are kind of up and down, not in a sort of... I'm not saying your mental health issue way, but I'm just saying... Oh, no, I mean, I think it's always... I think it is for a lot of people, maybe okay, all people. Um, it is always a, a feeling of going, oh, being happy, but also d- d- trying to weather the... Like I say, yes. the negative voices in one's head or the yes. kind of fears and anxieties that uh, human beings n- naturally have, I suppose, because a friend of mine pointed out that actually we all have these it, feelings because... That's what we. It's that's how human beings have managed to evolve and sustain. Is because they preempted threats. Yes, it's and predators, isn't it? And actually, our feelings are evolved for a sort of more primal environment. Yes. And so what? Not happened? a monje. <laughs> <laughs> more the savannah. That's what it is, though. Yeah. You've obviously. I love you on. You carved out quite a niche for doing this sort of... You, you called it the bitchy younger sister or older sister when you did um, Bake Off the Professionals, didn't you? Yeah, the bitchy older sister of Bake Off, yeah. Yeah, but really making those shows your own and giving them a really strong identity because you do The Apprentice, you're fired as well, which I love. Oh, thank you for saying that. It got that. me back into watching The Apprentice again. Oh, that's lovely of you to say. And it made me laugh so much. Oh, oh that's lovely. So... We had fun doing that. Do you enjoy those, hosting? Those or? Yeah, I really do. And like, I always, I always loved. I, yeah, I've always wanted to do television, really. Yeah. And I think that um, there were times when there were times when, as well. I think sometimes if you think you want to be an actor and you surround yourself with theatre people, they're very snobby about a lot of art forms. And actually, what I love about television is I think it's so creative. Yeah. And I think it's so intelligent because you have to find ways to connect with people on all different ways in different yeah. environments I think it's I, and, and I love I've always really loved it um, so I'm, I feel very you're very good at it oh well thank do you, you know. um, there's no Mr Tom then uh, no other half no no 
I don't think I'm the type people fancy. They, um, no, that's very needy. Don't, please don't respond to that. It doesn't deserve it. That is absolutely <laughs> unbearable that I just said. Unbearably, unbearably needy what do you and like fishing in compliments. Well, I've never really been in one. Really? So, and again, I sort of used to think that was odd. Like, I sometimes go on holiday on my own, and I used to think that was odd. And then you meet, as you get older, you go, oh, there's lots of people like that. Like, your life's in abeyance. Yeah. Waiting for this person, and you think it's that messaging is so strong as well. It's really hard to um, to and to go actually. Um, actually, no. I don't think people believe you though. I think they think oh, they're trying to make the best of it. But I think it's that idea that well, this is what I do, and this is what we all do. So how can you do something? Yeah, how can how you we... be happy with something different? And. I think sometimes people see it as less than rather than just other and different. <laughs> well, I think I'd be quite scared as well of like, at this point, of like somebody else coming in, taking over my stuff, <laughs> using up my time. All that downtime I might quite enjoy just looking out the window. Suddenly I've got to talk to them. Do you date? You must get a lot of offers, especially. No, these no days. dates. No, I don't get any offers. Um, you do? I, not really. I guess I've always struggled to meet people. Do you have friends setting you up? Not really, because I think they know better than to <laughs> do that. Um, they, um, because they know that they'll be disappointed. That's the thing, when friends set you up, they go, and how did you get on, how did you get on? Oh. You go, well, I hated them, of course. And they're like, oh, but I thought, and this is, I don't need the pressure of, like, it's enough pressure, but it's you and another person to see, will you get on? I mean, it's such a, a sort of, contrived situation anyway um, and then um, and, and then it's even more contrived to have like a friend waiting for feedback <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm very defensive I think aren't I I think I'm probably codependent do you think so that's what a therapist once told me I don't, still don't know what it means and I've read all sorts of books about it I do um, but I don't what do you mean codependent on your as maybe in maybe because, your codepe- because if you read books about codependency actually it's all about sort of like oh you, you had a, a partner who was um, was uh, an alcoholic, and yeah. you, and and that can that confused your sense of what validates you. And I'm like, oh, I'm, I don't think I'm that. I've never had that. Um, but I, I think kind of in the sense that I base my esteem on other people's yeah. response. Is that codependency? I don't know. So I think if yeah, I'm so in a relationship, codependency is essentially excessive emotional reliance on someone else, and that Fine. could be a friend, that could be a loved one. What it means in relationships, I think, is that you struggle to keep your own identity. Right. Well, I think I have elements of that. Yeah. And I think whenever I've dated someone and it's gone wrong, I've taken it very personally, and I think that's probably a sign of being yeah. um, quite codependent, maybe. Yeah. In that, like, I'm not, I can't go... You know, I think cool people who are always in relationships are like, I'm fine. If I'm dating this person, that's fine. If I'm not dating them, I'm still fine. It's just me. Whereas I'm like, what? If I'm dating somebody and then they just like reject me, then it's like it's not just like oh I don't I don't know if if we're compatible. It's like oh like to my to my existential soul, <laughs> you you and the world <laughs> rejects me, and I therefore reject myself. Yeah. And um and I think that's not good. And that's and that. Then that makes it difficult, I think, to then be... This one, Tom, is it? Yeah. Yeah, out there. It's always when that people will turn around and say, wow, yeah, um, we want a break, and then they slept with someone else. I'm yes, like, and I'd be like, I would die. So would I. I would be like, 
Um, like I'd be like, two years therapy, right there. But yeah, all of, yeah, those people who are like really calm about it. Or like, you know what, we broke up and um, they're seeing somebody else now and I'm just so happy for them and, I just, and I'm going to their wedding like... <laughs> like, they broke up with me, I can never see them again and even the mention of their name will crush me to my soul. Producer's nodding, I'm people, nodding. So, okay, so I'm not such a weirdo. Excuse me? Okay, we're it's all the weirdos. only sane response. Right. Oh, and sorry, I just got to do up my shoelace. Oh, yeah. I, I love mean, your man bag. A kind of clutch. What I'm thinking, Tom, is that yeah. you dress beautifully, you're so well-mannered, Raymond loves you, you've got the same attitude as me for relationships. Do you see where I'm going with this? You want to get married? Okay, let's do it. We're coming up to a church. I mean, it w- and also, what would be great is we wouldn't have that issue over the, oh, I met someone else, because like, of course there'd be no did. sexual jealousy. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> How are you? Yeah, good, you? Yeah, great, great, Coming thanks. Coming to uh, the yeah. wedding, yeah? Yeah, yeah. You're on. Um, yeah, good. just, um, good just on my way to it now. Good, you're <laughs> um, I have no idea who that was. Coming to the wedding. I don't know. And you was. said I'm on my way to it now. Absolutely no you idea. Just I have no idea who it was. What would you what do? Did you do? She said, Are you coming to the I did recognise her. She was at the wedding. But what about, yeah, but why did you say I'm just on my way to it now? What else could I have said? You could have said yes. I could have said. Because she looked at you like, there is the wedding, isn't now? It could be in three weeks, the wedding. Oh, yeah, that was fraud. And that's why I said it with a smile. So people were like, who was that? I'll get, hopefully I'll get a tweet later. I mean. Um, I don't remember people's faces. That's another thing. Do you? No, I think there's people in the world I'm just like, Wipe, at the end of the day, I'm like, wipe them from my mind, wipe them from my mind. Tom, I've never, well, that's because that's our rela- uh, relationship attitude. We'll cross the road now. Oh, Tom, I've really loved our walk. I feel oh, like I hope so I haven't much. bored you Listen, to death. Oh, bored me? I mean, you're absolutely fabulous. Well, that's to very coin a phrase. Of you to say. Can I just say, I'd like to come and see you live, though. So People sometimes tweet me that, and oh. the problem is, oh. is that live. Um, is also pronounced live. And so people often say, I'd love to see you live, <laughs> which does sound threatening. <laughs> Your tour then, is that, are you? Um, I'm hoping to go on tour next year, so yeah. 2021. Oh, okay. Um, so yes, because I was, in a way, I would like to have done it this year, but um, I didn't You've have got to, I didn't want to rush stuff going I did, on. And well, I, I would hate to rush uh, uh, writing the show. And I think it's important to do some living. Yeah. And I think, frankly, if people have seen me before and they come back to see me and, they, and I'm still saying, so I live at home with my mum and dad. No, you'll have like, moved by then. This is nice, grub on it. the green. Yeah, it's nice. Maybe it? that's where the wedding is. Maybe that is um, where the wedding is. That would be nice. So, um, t- so um, do you think, having spent time with Ray, I mean, he's not really your standard uh, big Labrador. What dog, if you were going to get a dog, Tom, what would you go for, do you think? Um, I've always thought a um, Border Terrier, you know, the wiry ones. Are those what you have growing up then? No, no Yorkies. Oh, Yorkies, yeah. Um, but uh, I love them all, really. And do I, you? Do you know, I did some filming about a year ago at Edinburgh Dog and Cat Home. And oh. um, never go to a dog and cat home because it... It's not heartbreaking because it's not an unhappy, you know, like they, everybody works there who loves the dogs. Yeah. But they, they show you the dogs and they, um, and they get you to meet them. And we did this one with this one called Diesel. Oh. It was an English Bull Terrier, like Bullseye, yeah. which is always a dog, a breed I've thought, oh, it's not a very attractive breed. But, you know, he was so lovely. He'd had a troubled time. Um, so he was in the orphanage and um, he was so boundy, like 
but I loved him and we really got on and I was, they were like could you find a home for Diesel do you think could you know he seems to like you and I was like maybe I could and it, was like, it would have been the most impractical dog I like Diesel he sounds like a bit of a sort of leather queen as well I know it would have been a great <laughs> dog for me wouldn't it um, he was so bound you know those sort of um, terrier dogs who are like yeah. very strong yes. so like didn't realise his strength bound all over you it's like being punched all the time and was very like wanted to, to sort of bite you in a playful way I know that. it's like little legs like little, little like punchy Mike legs. Tyson legs yeah, yeah. And, stocky um, legs stocky legs and also couldn't be wasn't good with other dogs wasn't good with around children wasn't like couldn't be left on his own like but still I was like maybe there's a way I can uh, <laughs> I can make this work like can you imagine Sorry. like even um, even oh even trying to well I hope you get a dog Um, I hope so we can see each other again I really like you I I don't often do this I did it once before to Greg Davis and I'm afraid it didn't really work go anywhere but I'd really like to be your friend please anytime that's what Greg Davis said do you know how many times he's called well I don't know zero oh well can you improve on that probably when I move to the Barbican you can come around all the time well we're friends now whether you like it or not give Ray a hug Ray lovely to see you oh so lovely, lovely to see you. Tom, I really enjoyed our walk. Well, I hope it's um, useful for your needs. And, <laughs> um, and thank you for getting me here in such good time. We've had a lovely walk. We haven't go, been rained on. Go into your office. Which That's one not is where it? I'm going. Oh. <laughs> that clearly is um, <laughs> condemned building. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that. And do remember to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes. <laughs>